Hey gang, welcome to Big Brother and the Hodel Income. It's a podcast about music and Web3 and trying to fend off Big Brother. I'm a Keegan Voice. Today I spoke with Kidest Sinke, Cole Ryan, and Ben Fajeri. All three had intimate roles at the Web3 label Dreams Never Die, which despite raising $2.5 million, building a dedicated community of passionate music people, and recently selling out a thousand founder passes in less than 24 hours, in what was a strong signal of the brand's commitment to Web3, decided to restructure the organization and revisit their mission. Tumult followed, and none of these three, Kidest, the organization's community manager, nor Cole and Ben, two of the Dreams Never Die co-founders, are at the organization any longer. The story of what happened is worth diving into. So we spoke about all of this, as well as their passion for the work that Dreams Never Die was doing, and their continued belief in the importance of centering music and community in their work. Hope you all enjoy the conversation. Here we go. Hey, everybody. It's great to have you here. Thank you for, for taking the time. We've got more, more guests on than, than usual for one of these recordings. So to begin, I um, just want to start by giving you each some space to, to introduce yourselves. Um, and then if you could mention maybe like, you know, where you grew up, where you currently are, and when your relationship with music started. That'd be great. Hi, my name is Kidest. I am from Oregon, but currently based in Los Angeles. And I was the community manager for Dreams Never Die. Um, my start in music came around, well, when I was a kid, I always made music. But in terms of my career, I got my start in music in the beginning of the pandemic in like 2020 or 2019 actually through um dreams dream never dies um like blog component before the data and then around the same time was also doing a lot of freelance music journalism interviewing different artists on their projects and um doing social media management for a few other record labels at the same time cool thanks for that cool um I'm Ben, uh, originally from New Jersey, currently based in Brooklyn, New York. I kind of grew up as like a band geek. I went to like band camp and stuff and like learned how to play clarinet um, and kind of refound that that like initial love for music back in school. Um, I started out as like a producer a little bit, making like riding that like SoundCloud EDM wave. And then I got put in touch with the folks over at Hilly Dilly at the time, which is how me and Cole got connected like way back. Um, so that was like my first like introduction into like music discovery and everything that followed with that. Um, and yeah, I've spent some time at like across a couple different record labels, mostly working in A&R, working with artists of different sizes, um, helping them grow, helping them scale. And that job has changed significantly over the years. Um, and most recently, obviously, like kind of came on board the Jews Never Die team to, to take those skills and, and kind of apply them in a new way. Um, and yeah, super happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks, Ben. Hey, everyone. I'm Cole. I've been the uh, co-founder and CEO, uh, COO of Dreams Never Die. Um, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, and I grew up um, obsessed with music blogs, music discovery. Uh, I was a huge nerd would follow like 30 music blogs a day essentially sifting through new music 
my favorite one was called Hilly Dilly. And that was how I personally took my first step into the music industry uh, unknowingly. Um, so I wrote uh, over a thousand posts at Hilly Dilly um, and went on to work various different jobs in music at record labels and management companies uh, and eventually went on to create Dreams Never Die um, with these people here. Um, and I'm currently based all over the place. Uh, so, yeah, I don't really have a home right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just moving around. And what about this very moment? <laughs> mm. I'm in uh, Ocala, Florida. So uh, on a horse, on a horse farm. So uh cool this is a yeah, this is a new spot for me <laughs> uh, but cole's I'm actually based in los angeles <laughs> uh, cole's actually in the other room right now cool you know thank you all for sharing appreciate that um you know i wonder just for you know for context if uh maybe this you know this question makes most sense for you cole since you uh you know had the longest tenure with dreams never die if you could just talk a little bit uh you know thirty thousand feet overview of, of kind of what you know the history you know of the project was starting with hilly dilly moving moving forward just approximate years and kind of you know how it evolved because it's it's obviously a big difference going from a music blog to what dreams never die ultimately became yeah, absolutely. Hilly Dilly uh, existed before I hopped on. It was founded in 2007 uh, as an outlet for the founder, Chad, to share music um, more efficiently than burning mixed CDs, essentially. Um, it grew into this really cool thing that created a community around it, uh, just based on the quality of discoveries. Um, and eventually people just showed up and started started helping out um and that's how all of us came together and most of the team who did become dreams never die actually assembled um which is super cool uh hilly dilly was a very unique project in that there wasn't necessarily a plan the plan was find the best artists in the world and put them out there um and in a lot of ways, it did that. It was really successful. Um, it was a really, really fun time for music discovery is whenever SoundCloud music discovery was really like in its heyday. Um, and all of these really amazing artists were popping up all over the internet. And there was an audience kind of ready to receive those artists and, and become fans. Um, eventually, we realized that Hilly Dilly was not going to make us money, uh, especially running it the way that we wanted to. So we started a record label called Dreams Never Die. Um, that was in 2019. And it began as more of a traditional label. I mean, a tiny indie label uh, doing small EP deals and single deals with artists. Um, we worked with a lot of very talented artists very early in their careers. Almost every artist we worked with, we released their debut track. So we're developing and launching artists from zero, um, which is super fun and rewarding and extremely challenging, especially as the industry started to change and become more difficult than ever uh, to get heard with so much noise. 
um, more music than ever being created and released. Uh, so we ran into all of these hurdles. Uh, we saw COVID happen and touring take a huge hit. Uh, the economics of becoming a, a sustainable artist becomes so challenging. Um, and working with sustainable artists as well just became a, another massive problem for people passionate about good music. Um, so we started Dreams Never Die, the community, um, which we intended to become a community-owned, community-run record label, um, one of the first of its kind. Uh, we thought the idea was super exciting. We started it in the fall of 2021. Um, and pretty quickly received funding from Polychain, um, which was a, a big moment for us and allowed us to actually hire staff um, and really give the whole thing a go. Um, and that's when things got very interesting and exciting. And we started um, experimenting in, in ways that we thought were pretty novel and, and interesting. Yeah, and no, I've always really uh, you know, admired the project for being one of the places that, you know, leveraged these moments of organic music discovery and then turned and then created more value out of those moments of discovery. I think that's something that the streaming paradigm doesn't do a great job at, um, you know, discovering like a transcendent piece of music, a new artist is, is transcendent. <laughs> and it's really difficult to do anything but save a song to a playlist. Um, so creating a vehicle and and the means uh to redirect that value uh, to make it the connective thread i think between the person who made the music and the people who might want to hear the music is um is really powerful so uh i've, I've always admired that that about the project um and yeah so of course the you know, after that, some other things happened uh, in, you know, the history of Dreams Never Die. And um, it was a really exciting moment. I mean, Cole, we, we and Ben, um, we, we all connected, you know, just a couple months ago and, and you know, had a conversation um, under different conditions. Uh, it, was, it was when Dreams Never Die was about to launch you know, the member pass, um, which was really cool. And that was a successful launch. Um, and, and things changed after that. And I'd love to hear, um, in any and all of your words, as much as you can say about what, what happened. Yeah, totally. Well, I kick it off and just talk about my personal experience to them kind of lob it up for Cadets and Cole. Um, <clears throat> I think like I joined Dreams Never Die one because it was like a really cool, exciting project that I could just do with my friends first and foremost, you know. Um, it was a project that I think really tried to kind of address a lot of the issues I was personally seeing with, uh, with the music industry just from my time and my experience working in various creative roles at various different places, you know. Um, and the main thing that I think made Dreams Ever Die stand out almost from the get-go, like Cole touched upon, was just how many cool, awesome people joined the Discord right away and how much that grew, you know? And very quickly, like, the ethos of the people that would pop into our, like, weekly recap calls and our scouts calls, um, talk in the general channel, 
they began to embody like a lot of the characteristics of what I came to love so much about the community, you know, um, and very quickly, and I think also represented through the Founder Pass launch, the community's pulse on various things and good and bad became like a really great signifier for just, I don't know, how, um, how the space was, how good the memes were, anything, you know what I mean? Um, so the last couple of months, I think we can just point to the way that the communities reacted and their specific reactions and their emotions towards the last couple of months on their ends. I think nothing better would kind of signify that um, as opposed to like the amazing amount of people who came out um, and really just said how they felt with regard to how things went down. You know, um, Dreams Over Die became a place where like started out, especially as a place of like super, a ton of inclusivity, mutual respect and all those sorts of things. And I think because of that foundation, a lot of these community members felt like they um, had a voice and agency to kind of express how they felt about how things went down, you know? Um, and more than anything, it was just super awesome to see that, to really just see like people who I became friends with from from working at Dreams Never Die to kind of share how they felt um, the company was moving in that specific direction and how it impacts them. Because I think we could look towards the way that it impacted the community as like a really great kind of litmus and metric to gauge um, how things happen overall, you know? Um, and yeah, as I look back on, on the last couple of months and Dreams Never Die in general, it's it's all about the community. I know it's like a huge buzzword, but like that's how we got to this place to have this conversation because of the like dozens of awesome people who like submitted music, who popped into the weekly recaps, who um, made memes about my face in the weekly recaps. Um, no, genuinely, there was like a big stinky loser meme that Brian, <laughs> Brian Fire had um, that became like a reoccurring theme. And it was that sentiment. And it was that sentiment, man, that like seriously mattered the most over anything um because they were there they're in it you know what i mean um so yeah i think like that's a roundabout way of saying i think the community really um understood and and looking at how the community reacted is, is the best way to kind of signify like you know what went down and like how things happened in that respect also to like build off of what ben was saying is like like, yeah, over this past year, like having this very strong community has been so amazing. And it's been great to see how aligned people are on the same, like, I guess, like mission and stuff. But then at the same time, it was like, very, I'd say, like, like it, I guess it like made me think a lot about like, what kind of infrastructure needs to be set in place in order of like, in terms of actual community ownership, or come, I guess, to like, ensure that when someone is kind of, I guess, like when a community is voicing their opinions about something, like how can we take those opinions and then actually like, I guess, like address the issue instead of just having a conversation. And I'm curious for those, you know, for those listening who don't have the, what you wrote um, at their disposal currently, um, if you, I'd be curious if you could sum up kind of what your sentiments, what, what it's like, what, what were your, you know, major reflections, uh, that you encompassed, you know, through your writing that you'd like to share? Absolutely. Um, well, yeah, first of all, for anyone who isn't aware, uh, I resigned from dreams never die back in March. Um, and, uh, 
it was something that happened very suddenly. Um, and it was shocking and traumatic for myself and a lot of other people as well. Um, it was a very hard decision and it was not fun. Um, and mm. I mainly spent a lot of time reflecting on, um, how cool the things that we were doing were, um, which I think is something that's been difficult, especially seeing how things have progressed and the conversations around dreams never die have evolved. Um, because I truly think that there were a lot of, uh, very important issues that we were addressing with what we were doing and we were, we were working on, um, and in addition to that, it was just a really fun place. Um, like I, I would show up every Friday, super excited to, to just chat and bullshit with everyone. <laughs> um, so mm. it was, it was a really fun experience for me and a lot of other people. And I think that that is really sad, um, especially for such a global community with people all across the world, uh, involved, um, and I, I definitely want to get a little bit more, that, whether now or maybe a little bit later, into the specifics of what I was excited about with Dreams Never Die, the things that I found the most exciting and that I think really need to continue being talked about and worked on, um, which I can talk about forever, honestly. Um, <laughs> but I think also, uh, Ben and Kides, if there is anything that you want to say about what you wrote, um, or that that moment, um, feel free as well. Most of all, it was really, really great to see so many people speak out and also just to reach out on a personal note, um, especially from, especially in regards to Steph's article. And like, I think it was great to hear from people who aren't women um, and, yeah, I definitely just like want to see more of that and appreciated that a lot. Yeah, I think that's a really great way to put it, Kidas. And just as like a quick coda too, um, I, I mentioned this a couple minutes ago, but we got to do like a ton of really cool things, like Cole said, and really had the privilege to like take time and work on them, you know, and really like have thoughtful conversations, not just among like the core team, but with everybody involved um, about, you know, what those issues were, how do we fix them? Where do things go from here? Which I'm sure like we'll touch on. Um, but yeah, it was, um, it was definitely, it was definitely a difficult couple of weeks, I think for everybody involved. Um, I think change doesn't happen for a little bit and then it just happens all at once. Um, good and bad, you know? So it definitely took, a couple of weeks to kind of wrap ahead around no longer being a part of a project that um, I cared so much about with people I cared so much about. Um, and it's just part of the grief process, I think, you know, and like, despite how challenging those weeks were, um, I've been able to reflect more and more and parse through all the cool things that, that we were able to try to do and, and, and do, um, and just left feeling with like, I don't know, a ton of gratitude for all the people I like was able to meet and work with, you know, um, two of them are on this call, but also Anusha, Jade, um, the dozens of community members who make fun of me every Friday. Um, <laughs> and just all the awesome artists 
that made this community so special. You know, we got, we, I had a privilege of like interfacing with some of the coolest people I've had the opportunity to meet in the music industry, you know, and like that doesn't go away regardless hmm. of like what's next. Hmm. Yeah, cool. Thank you all for sharing. Um, yeah. And I think it, it, you know, takes courage to, to share these things. And I appreciate you all for taking the time and creating the space for that. Um, I, I'm curious, I mean, the one, you know, as you alluded to, you know, I spoke uh, with Steph, um, who, who, for those listening, who aren't aware, we did an episode in which she, she discussed a moment on a dreams, never die a town hall in which, um, she was treated in a derogatory way, um, for speaking up, I think on behalf of, of the community. And then, um, also wrote, uh, wrote a really great piece speaking, you know, from the perspective of a woman and, and, and what it's like to work in these spaces and how her treatment was not, not surprising to her, unfortunately, um, would encourage everybody to read it who's listening. And I think all three of your pieces and all, you know, all of the writing that, that you've created as, as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, one thing that, that, and I'd love to touch on as much as, as we can is, you know, having spoken with Steph, I got, you know, her perspective, but I think the three of you like have obviously like very intimate, intimate lens and into dreams never die, you know, you know, in various capacities. And you all speak very highly about what the community stood for and what it, you know, all the different projects and all the exciting things that, that were happening and being built. Why, why did it? change like why did it fundamentally change i think that there's a timeline of events that can be seen by essentially anyone um which involves restaffing um and involves uh i, I also encourage anyone extremely interested in that to um i, I believe that call is public uh, and to check out that call and because Chad uh, and Chris and Jack spoke a lot about those things specifically about the new direction of the company um, about the things that were being changed uh, and, and Tyler as well um, and uh, the the way that they described it was that you know we're restaffing um, and we're changing the direction Um we're going to be focusing on some key things, which are different than what we were focusing on, different than uh, why I was there. Um, so whenever the mission changed, um, I, I mean, to me, that's a mission-based project. Um, and the reason why I, you know, 10, over 10 years ago started working on Hilly Dilly and continued doing it uh, for so long was because of a mission that I believed in. And if that's not there anymore, uh, then it's, it doesn't feel meaningful to me. Um, so that's, that's definitely one reason. Um, but I also think that, like you said, um, and like we've all seen, uh, stuff was not treated well. Um, and I, I think that there are quite a few other people who would say that they were not treated well either. Um, and of course, that's not something that I want to be aligned with. 
anything you'd like to add, Kidester Ben? Yeah, I think um, I'll just say that, you know, towards the end of my time at D&D, I think really signified through that call that, that everyone I feel like listening could could check out if they if they want to. Um, some val- some things that I like especially valued, I think one we've talked, I've mentioned this a ton of times, but that concept of community, the mutual respect that kind of lives within the community as a result of building something with other people. Um, and uh, inclusivity. I didn't think, um, and I think it, I, based on the call especially, it just didn't feel like that was being demonstrated there anymore, um, at least in the way that it had previously um, when I decided to come on board and existed there so so powerfully throughout um, the majority of my time there, you know. Um, so I think as I as I reflect on it, it's, it's definitely the mission and and some of the things Cole touched on as well, and, and me on a personal level, that too. Yeah, just like seconding what Ben and Cole have said and like what Steph said, I think it's like a, just like a representative of, I think also a bigger issue in the music industry in general. Yeah, yeah. something that uh, something that I mentioned in my uh, post is that um, we had the unique privilege of having a community that genuinely cared about music um, and actually cared about seeing change happen, um, which is really rare. Like even no matter where you are, if you have a community that actually cares about something that isn't just financial incentive and financial gain, I mean, that is really crazy. So um Anytime that we did something and our community was happy and excited about it, it was always a really good indicator um, because, you know, they weren't there. Uh, They were there for many of them over a year before there was any sort of NFT release or anything that they could even think about seeing financial gain from. They they were there because they enjoyed it. and because there were other like-minded people and, and really good conversations and it was an inclusive space. So whenever something like that changes, um, it's sad for a lot of people. And, and you know, if that weren't there in the first place, there, we wouldn't have seen re- a reaction like we did. You know, the, people wouldn't have necessarily cared in the way that they did. So it, to me, it's all a testament to, to the, the really cool thing that was happening there. Some of the community members actually they made a a second Discord like pretty like pretty much directly after the um, call happened, and um, it's it's been really great to see like everyone still sharing music in there and like continuing the conversations about the music industry and Web three and sharing demos and stuff. So it's it's been good to like still stay in touch with everyone. Cool. Uh, no, that's great to hear. And I think that, um, exp- you know, speaks to the essence of the community that it is driven by music and a, you know, shared love of music, uh, to, to orient around culture in a way that is, uh, not inherently, uh, you know, speculative or like leaning into some of the financialized, you know, side of crypto and web three that, that so often conflates and gets in the way of, you know, of a mission, I, th- I think, not just in Web3, like everywhere. Once, you know, once money gets involved and once expectations change and are oriented around money, like it's, it becomes complicated. And like Cole was saying, like there's there were like a lot of 
um, really great ideas that um, we wanted to execute on. And like, I think people in, especially like in, in the new, in that new discord channel and just like in personal conversations are also very interested in, in the future of like what that could look like. Um, it's just like, it's been an ongoing conversation and still thinking on things. And yeah, I know Cole, you've mentioned wanting to touch a little bit on that. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that was perfect, Kadesh. That was those that, that was about to be what I asked. So, so thank you. Kadesh is the new host. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna take off. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, sure. Uh, sounds good. I mean to me, I think that there are basically three big problems in music that Web3 is trying to address. Um think that one of them is building a missing product. I think a lot of us have acknowledged that there's money being left on the table for artists with the current streaming model and fans can't support support artists in a way that they find exciting and rewarding. Um, finding the true value of music is another one. I think that that's a really difficult question and blockchain tech makes that possible. And then creating a more direct exchange between artists and fans. Um, which something like Spotify, you know, they don't even tell you who your top fans are. Um, however, I, I would say that those are the main things that we're seeing a lot of different people try to address in various really creative ways. And I think that um, the tech obviously isn't uh, widely implemented enough to see something scale yet, but it kind of feels like this really exciting um cauldron of ideas with things bubbling up here and there um and it's so small that you know whenever something goes down the whole space takes a hit but regardless i think that there's enough talented and smart people in this space that we're going to continue coming up with ideas and innovating um what i think was special about dreams never die is that we looked to do something a little bit different uh than solve those three main problems um our mission was more focused on creating sustainability for the people in it um, and creating a better version of a music company and a music community. Um, the core mission, I think if we were going to sum it up in like one sentence would be that the industry stopped working for the best music uh, as well as the most talented people who care about the best music. And we wanted to work toward fixing that. Um, I would say that there were quite a few ways that we were trying to do that once we realized how many different areas we could work on and improve. Um, it, it was definitely, it was almost overwhelming trying to focus on one because there were so many cool things that we could, could work on. Um, there's rethinking the artist team. Um, there's making music discovery fun and exciting and rewarding. Um, creating sustainable paths for new artists and the people who work with them, uh, launching talented new artists, bringing great new music into Web3, educating people, creating unique and engaging fan experiences, um, and building a space for an actual community to flourish rather than be exploited. Um, those are things that I could talk about forever. And they were a lot of the things that we were, were pushing toward with Dreams Never Die. Um, and I feel like uh, there are other people who are working on them as well. And I just hope that we continue focusing on these spaces because they absolutely need to be improved. I think anyone who's worked in music can attest to that. Um, 
or been around it. I definitely don't think the those missions will stop anytime soon. I think we're going to continue working on them and see people in this space specifically continue working on them. Yeah, I think that's a really great way to put all of that cool wordsmith. Um, but uh, as I was listening to you speak, and obviously the last couple of weeks, something that I was particularly super excited about that Keegan, I know you and I have talked about too, is the, the Scouse community that was built up and Dreams Never Die. Um, I remember when like Cole and I were talking about it, we were like, it was last summer and it was just like a really fun afternoon. Just like, I remember when we made the, that like initial blueprint call, it was awesome. Um, and like D&D notion, but essentially it was a place where, um, anyone in the community could send in music that we would listen to, um, and, or write about the songs that they found or claim songs and get compensated for it. And we really tried to gamify this process to incentivize artists to one, want their music sent in to be a part of the community, but also the people who are actually discovering the artists to want to send their music in because they were getting tangible um, benefits, not even just, you know, the compensation aspect, but a weekly scouts call that we had where we could like listen to some recent submissions and dive into what those are, talk about why or why not this song may be ready for before the data post, for example, What's the pathway for this artist to the scale, generally speaking, you know? Um, and it was it was so much fun. And I think only just made the community stronger in that respect. Um, kind of like in that vein, as I've as I look forward, um, I've been thinking a lot about just that concept of like this oversaturation of the market. Like I think like two hundred thousand songs are released a day now. I saw a stat where it's improved, increased. Maybe it's one hundred fifty. It's a lot, you know. Um, and more and more, I think artists need their own at least micro community to scale to start off like a backbone. But even thinking before that, if you were to pull the curtain behind that actual artist community, where do they go before it's built? You know. So with that in mind, I think what the space is needed, and, and music generally speaking, I think the traditional curation space um, is definitely suffering a little bit as a result of just the digital mediums with which people kind of send their music and share and connect with other people. Um, but before that, artists can even build their own micro-community. I think there's a desperate need for a discovery community where people can connect with each other and then prop up the artist before that initial community is built. Um, you know, so in other words, like, I think an ecosystem in which artists will want to send their music to is missing and super super important um and that was like a huge a huge thing we were trying to like solve and work on through the scouts community you know um like how did fred again get to the place he's at now and what does that look like in web3 before he reaches this critical mass of fans and all those things you know um and so that's something that, that i'm keenly interested in and and um i think like definitely like Paul said, it's, it's being worked on actively, but it's something I'm really interested in um, moving forward. Yeah, similarly, I'm really interested in that kind of intersection between like the dis music discovery um, community and then like the editorial world and kind of how communities build like stories around artists and labels and the people who are discovering the artists. And I think Right now, I'm pretty excited by how NoiseDAO has been doing their high-frequency um, compilations and their whole editorial side of things. And yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how 
just like that space continues to develop and how the people who were in the dreams never die community also can like I guess like what all th all three of us end up continuing to do too in, in that regard. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think you all touched on some really really interesting ideas and some really you know really central problems that the music industry has you know has to reckon with. I think people have been you know for a while you know have had this realization, but I think you know what what you're touching on this like the ability to tie tie all of these things together. Um, and orient, you know, you know, the incentives and align the incentives around like a scouts ecosystem where, you know, the scouts are incentivized to find great artists, artists are incentivized to find great scouts. And if you can create that as that connected thread and build upon it, like, you know, through editorial, as you're saying, Kidest, through, you know, through micro communities and, like there's so much that you can build on top of that. So I, you know, I share your excitement and enthusiasm <laughs> for for working with with these problems. And yeah, you know, just briefly, would love to hear how you know post dreams never die. How you're thinking about your own paths and your own journeys, and what what you're interested in getting involved with moving forward. I think um, I think what I'm most interested in, kind of like what I touched on, is uh, the artist to fan relationship and how does that develop over time. Um, kind of like what Cole touched upon. I think using Spotify for artists is a great example um, about the extent to which data is provided to artists and their teams over who the fans are, where they live, when they found them, everything in between. Um, and the lack of kind of connection between the artists and the fans and the fans to the fans, the fans within themselves, I should say, and how that's going to develop over time. I think the value um, demonstrated within small things like, like when did a Taylor Swift fan discover Taylor Swift relative to everybody else in their community? You know, um, where were they? How old were they? Where did they find them? You know, I think that data, especially leveraging blockchain technology, is very capturable. Um, and it's something I'm like acutely interested in and, you know, working on and, and trying to solve that, figure out what that looks like, I should say, you know. Um, and then kind of on top of that, like if you're able to kind of establish and capture that data between artists and fans, I think it just lends, gives more agency and more decision-making power in the artist's hands to really... Um, foster those connections with, with their micro communities or, or big communities as they grow, you know? Um, and then also like, generally speaking, what if those micro communities were fostered within a music discovery community at the same time and everything kind of like cohabitated and was able to be um, kind of like put under an umbrella, whether it's via a token or something else. Um, and what does that look like over time? And where does that value go? You know, I think the value of music is like a super interesting conversation right now. And I do think within the next five to 10 years, we're going to see a fairly significant shift over where and how it's valued. And a lot of that comes down to that individual one-on-one -on -one relationship between an artist and their fan. Hmm. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, cool. Kidest? Right now, I'm definitely, I've definitely been thinking a lot about 
ways to, I guess, push boundaries when it comes to like community collaboration and um, like collaborative music projects in Web3. And um, yeah, I, I really like what Song Camp is, in do, is doing in terms of mm. like how they're collaborating um, with their community members. And yeah, I, I don't know, just like finding more ways to, to, to bring that, that spirit in. Cause I, I feel like if you are, ha if you have a lot of community members that are collaborating on a specific project, then it's also going to be conducive to, I think, community, community ownership and a lot of the other, um, issues that I have been seeing in web three. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Kidest. I think it's probably pretty obvious that I'm still really excited about a lot of the things that we were working on at Dreams Never Die. Um, however, I'm taking a bit of a step back um, to process and, and spend some time really thinking about how I would like to approach my next step. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm kind of just letting all these things simmer and paying attention. And uh, I'm, I, I I care a lot about music being really fun and exciting. Um, I think that great music needs to be rewarded properly. I think that artists need to be able to tell their stories the way that they want to. And I think that fans need to actually be able to be fans. Um, these are ideas that are really exciting to me. Um, I, I joined music because I'm a fan. Um, as so many people did, but I, I still am just a fan ultimately. And I've found that being a fan is really hard these days and uh, watching artists that you love struggle so much in so many different ways um, is not fun. <laughs> it's really not fun. Hmm. So I, I want to, um, yeah, these, these are issues that I want to continue thinking about, continue working on. Um, and I, I'm very excited about the potential, uh, future that could come along with a lot of these developments. And I, I think that the conversation is way bigger than just music. Um, I think it's about the internet as a whole, as, um, hmm. you know, as the, the obviously blockchain and, and web three and all of these, uh, ideas are so big. Um, but you know, but if we can use this as an opportunity to restructure some of these really difficult, long lasting issues that we've seen in music. Um, if there can be a new product that is direct between the artist and the fan and doesn't go through a, a platform that takes a massive cut and adds an ad in there and, uh, and makes you follow their guidelines for their nine second, you know, if, if there can actually be, <laughs> A platform for, for artists to be artists again and fans to directly support them and engage i mean that sounds cool that's really exciting to me so i'm i'm gonna continue paying attention to that and, and being curious mm. about that yeah cool thank you all for sharing um again i i i really appreciate the time and the energy that you've taken to create this space. I know this all happened, you know, fairly recently and created changes in, in all of your lives. So I appreciate uh, you being here to talk 
you know, to talk about them and, and to share your unique, unique lenses and experiences and excitement about continuing to do this work. Like that's, that's certainly palpable. And, and it's really nice to hear that there are so many people who are, you know, very invested in making what we currently have a lot better than it is and orienting it around the right things, things like, you know, connection and, and relationship and the music itself. Um, and on that note, I just have one more question for you. I'm going to pivot the conversation a little bit uh, to something that I ask everybody at the end of these. And if you could all answer, I'd be very appreciative. Um, what, so you're going to a desert island. You get to bring three albums with oh, you. Oh, no. <laughs> what I'm are they? <laughs> so I feel like if I'm on a deserted island, I'm going to need like some sad girl like music. So Stranger in the Alps. Um, nice. Then I'm also going to need like a party album of some sort. But mm -hmm. uh, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's actually harder than <laughs> I thought. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe the chart, the ch maybe something by Charlie XCX, and then, um, some oh Frank Ocean Blonde. Good options, good options, good choices. This is this is really tough. <laughs> um, I'm struggling. It's it's an impossible question. I think that this is my answer because. Uh, Honestly, I've like been listening to uh, a lot of non-current music lately, just kind of digging back for fun, as a lot of people have. Um, there's an album by uh, the Brazilian bossa nova artist, Joe Gilberto. Uh, it's just called 1973. Nice. And that's pretty much the most soothing album i've ever heard in my life it's i i think i listen to it like more than anything you just wake up you drink your coffee you put it on you're going to bed you're having stress days i think that i could just listen to that forever um i'm also gonna choose tapestry by carol king because i'm on a huge mm, carol nice. king uh wave right now and i think that those are some of the best pop songs ever and then and then I'm choosing a punk album called Pink Flag by the group Wire. Um, because, like, if you're on an island by yourself, you need a lot of adrenaline to keep you going. Like, every <laughs> once in a while, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to have some, some crazy moments. So I think that that's my, like, spread of, of emotions. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great trio. It's a great trio. I think you have a lot of different moods covered um, there for all of the what what is what is surely to be a very you know capricious time on on that island. So <laughs> good trio. Cole's just gonna be vibing out. <laughs> all right, over to you, Ben. No place left to hide. You got to answer. <laughs> uh, okay, so. Um... <laughs> I think the first one I'm going to pick is um, Room for Squares by John Mayer. I grew up listening to John Mayer was the first guitarist I really liked growing up. Mm. Um, his first album, which I think is just like, yeah. Room for Squares by John Mayer. Um, 
I'm going to go with this album by a band called Everything But The Girl mm. called uh, Amplified Heart. Um, Kevin Abstract posted about it like four months ago, and I've been listening to them nonstop since, specifically this album. So we'll warm up with that. It's like a nice mix of like kind of like punk and pop during the 90s. Um, mm-hmm. And then probably, probably Channel Orange. I have I have a couple, but I think that's the safe bet. Given where I'm at, I think I just need to bring that just to just to be safe for my sanity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those would be my three picks off the dome. Cool, cool. Thank you all for sharing. It's like a, you know we had like a mini scouts call or something, and <laughs> um, well, it's been really great. Thank you all for being here and for sharing. Um, before we sign off for those who are interested in getting involved or following along with any of the things that you're doing now or will be doing in the future, you know, what's, what's the best place for people to find you? Um, I'm, I'm in Florida. I'm in Ocala, <laughs> Florida. So try to see if you can get over here. Um, actually my, my handle is currently Cole after data. Um, I don't know how long it'll be that, but I also just started a Substack. It's called ColeRyan.Substack.com. Um, I don't know if I'm going to share more things there, but I probably will. And that's where I, I wrote my letter to the community. So check it out. Hit me up. I'm around. Cool. Yeah. Um, you guys can find me on Twitter at Ben for Jerry. That's a good place. Um, and also on the, the Arsenal subreddit. <laughs> nice. Oh, you should also find him on TikTok. <laughs> He's really good TikTok. Cole, this is being shared to a wide audience. How could you? Yep. <laughs> and yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kidest, spelled K-1-D-D-E-S-T. Cool. All right, you heard it here. Yeah, thanks again, to all of you for being here, for taking this time to share. I uh, appreciate you all and the work that you have done and I'm sure we'll, we'll continue to do. So um, and thanks again and, and wishing you all the best. Thanks, Keegan, appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you, this was great, really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, all right, I'll take care. All right, that's it for this episode of Big Brother and the Hodling Company. I'm your host, McKeegan Voice, and you can keep up with me and all the latest Web3 music trends on Twitter at McKeegan. That's M-A-C-E-A-G-O-N. This show is a production of Decentral Media, and you can visit us at decentral.io. And remember, only you can prevent and fend off Big Brother. <laughs>